0: We believe that the potential for people to do something amazing has everything to do with being in the right role, on the right team, at the right time. On the Greenhouse What's Your Why podcast, we're celebrating recruiters, individuals who are dedicated every day to helping others unlock that potential. Join me, Ariana Moon, Director of Talent Acquisition at Greenhouse, as I sit down with talent professionals to discover their motivation, inspiration, and journey through today's world of work. Today, I'm talking to Beth Armstrong. Beth is the Vice President of Recruitment at VaynerX. Prior to VaynerX, Beth was a talent manager at Deutsch. Beth and I will discuss how to be an effective HR professional at a fast-growing company. We'll also dive into the common misconception that recruiters ghost their candidates, as well as what made Beth realize that recruiting was so much more than simply filling seats. Please welcome Beth Armstrong. Hello Beth, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Fantastic, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. Yeah, same, thank you for having me. Of course, maybe you can tell us where you are because we're none of us are ever really sure where we are these days in <laughs> terms fair. of where you're located. And then what is the last non-work related creative thing you did? Because I know you have a creative background.
1: Uh, that's a great question. I'm actually in New Jersey, I've been born and raised I actually am making paper flowers right now. I got into it. I don't know. I just needed a hobby (laughs) during the
0: pandemic.
1: Yeah. So I'm making like crepe paper flowers. Uh, I recently made some for my daughter's first birthday party.
0: I love that. I'm sure your daughter's enjoying it. Yeah. Moving over to the professional side. I know you're at VaynerX. Uh, So start off telling us about your current role at VaynerX and how that's going for you so far.
1: Yeah, so I head up recruiting for VaynerX, which houses several entities. The biggest and most well-known is VaynerMedia, which is an advertising agency. And we do the majority of the recruiting for that company there. But my role is to build the function. We actually historically did not have recruiting as a function here. Uh, when I started three years ago, it was just me and one other individual handling all the recruiting. We had like 40 plus um, open roles at one time. Oh boy. It was crazy, it was crazy, but it was so much fun. And last year I was promoted into this position where they were like, let's build this. Let's do let's do the thing. So uh, over the past year, we've been planning and building a strategy. Um, we've grown the team from 2 to 10. We've implemented a structured interview process. We've built out our um, interview training, which encompasses you know how to interview but also how to bring talent into the company, unconscious bias, And yeah, it's it's great. We're in the building phase right now. It's a lot of work, but I'm having a blast.
0: So when you think about how you've grown and how your team has grown uh, in a pretty short period of time, what would you say was the toughest thing for you about getting promoted into your current role and making that transition? I definitely think the
1: education piece is probably the toughest, especially where I am now. They haven't had this function And so a lot of the leadership is not familiar with how to work with a recruiter as -hmm. as well as your hiring managers and their hiring teams. They don't know how to collaborate. They don't know what to expect. They don't know how to bring us into business objectives. So it's a lot of educating across Mm -hmm. the board at all levels. And then also the trial and error piece is probably a big um, challenge as well, kind of you know, this is like a thing now. So we kind of have to test and learn a bit and we have to be willing to fail and grow from some of those failures and just kind of keep building and improving upon our process.
0: Yeah. And I like that you bring up failure because I think a lot of the times people are afraid of failure, even afraid of the word failure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It is a scary word. (laughs) It it is a scary
0: word uh, because I think it has a bad connotation to it, but I do think that in order to get to right results, to be successful, most of it is testing and failing and figuring out what doesn't work, what works, and steering towards what works. Yeah. Uh, So it sounds like you have an environment where there is a culture of testing and trying and That kind of trial and error that you were mentioning—would you say that's the case?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you know one of the benefits of working for this company is that they're still young; they're only thirteen years old, and so we're not like stuck in our ways. Like we also have the added benefit of our founder being an entrepreneur, and so he loves to kind of like grow and change. And I think that's great. That just it gives me the wiggle room to kind of be like, let me see how this works, and then we'll kind of you know flip it up if we need to and change things. It gives us a lot of flexibility.
0: Is there a story that perhaps you can share about maybe a time you saw a pain point in the business and through that learning process or some sort of trial and error, you were able to help solve it?
1: There was a specific role, um, our entry-level media roles. Now, these are people that are doing media buying and media planning, which coming out of college, they don't really teach you how to do, or you're not really informed. Even if you don't go to college, this isn't really something that's like out there in the world. And so we had a lot of these people coming into the role, it's an entry-level position, and not really fully understanding what it was. So we took many iterations of how to inform candidates because there was high turnover. They would leave months. They wouldn't even stay a year. They'd be like, I didn't understand what this was. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a booth. So we had many iterations of how to inform candidates and how to educate these new hires on the role. And through many trials, <laughs> we ended up with a residency program. It's basically a three-month training program, which is basically your onboarding to a full-time role. They're able to take endless courses for these three months. They're also working on some client work to get some real-world experience. So they're taking what they're learning in these classes and implementing in their everyday work they're getting paid for it. They're getting paid to learn, which is mm-hmm. amazing. But then a lot went into that. Like we we had to think about the candidate experience. Like we have 10 open roles. How do we want them to experience this? How are we going to inform them? And so we built upon that and then it turned into a volume role. And now we have three weeks to fill 50 to 60 of these open positions. So it turned into like this whole big thing. And again, we were like, okay, well, what's the experience? How can we hire quickly here and make sure that they are getting a good experience, that they're getting an education during the interview process? How do we hire at scale in terms of the interview process? How quickly can we hire but also make sure that we're making the right hire? It was a lot of trial and error. There was some failures, but a lot of growth, and now we've got it set. It's a really successful program. We've added in three other roles across our three other departments, um, and I think last year we hired like a hundred, well, well over a hundred um, people for our program. So it's great. It's wow. it's working really well. It's, it's a very mature program now, so it's
0: good. That must be so so rewarding to put in all that work, and a year later to see, wow, we've we've impacted a hundred people through being thoughtful about how to set them up for success.
1: Yeah. And I think this year we're on track to hire well over 200. So it's nuts. You're scaling fast. (laughs) We're scaling
0: fast. (laughs) Great. I love that story. Um, I do want to bring it back more to you and hear a little bit more about what brought you into the hiring space.
1: I fell into recruiting. I, when I got out of college, I was a theater performance and playwriting major and I was like dead set on going to Yale's playwriting program, but I had also wanted to be an actor. So I was uh, working at a daytime soap, trying to be an actor on that show. They weren't having that, but, um, Eventually the show got canceled. And so I kind of had to make a decision on, you know, do I want to stay in television? And like, you really weren't able to predict like what was going to happen at the end of a show. And I didn't like that. I needed something a little bit more steady. So I actually fell into advertising through a connection and eventually landed in a role where I was in creative management, which was great because I was able to be with creative individuals but not necessarily have to be creative which i i really loved and it gave me opportunities to just continue to i don't know see creative things and go out and do creative things with creative people so i had fun with that role but that position was two parts it was resourcing and also creative recruitment and resourcing was fun for me because i liked staffing internally it was basically taking your internal staff and assigning them to a project based on their skill set, which I thought was fun. And then I also enjoyed the creative recruitment piece, which was bringing external talent and bringing them in. And I really felt that that was my strength. I was like, I'm really good at identifying skills and identifying awesome humans. Eventually, um, as I had taken on more creative management roles at various companies, I really wanted to get more into Beyond going beyond creative recruiting and getting a little bit more general and hands on across other departments, which is kind of rare because creative recruitment is it's very it's a very niche uh, culture uh, in the advertising world.
0: For folks that are not familiar with the roles in creative recruiting, what are some of those profiles that you would recruit for?
1: These are art directors and copywriters. It depends on your creative department and how it's structured. But typically, art directors, copywriters, UX designers, UI designers, graphic designers, digital designers, and then sometimes a creative is also lumped into production is um, lumped mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm. It varies depending on on the company. But anyone that creates the um, creative that you're seeing on your television commercials, that's targeting you in your social campaigns, those are the individuals that I was
0: recruiting for. God, it's super helpful. So I interrupted you. You were telling me about how you were thinking about the next step.
1: Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to have an old manager of mine, my my GOAT mentor. She was like, you know what? I think you I, I would really like to expand my team. And I would love to have you come back and recruit for the company. So she kind of took a chance on me, which is great. And I was able to recruit for a small agency. There were upwards of like 150 at the time. And I was able to recruit across tech and media and client services and PM, and I really got my hands dirty in it. And that's kind of how I got into where I am now, which is just like recruiting for everything under the sun.
0: Including yourself. <laughs> Including myself, yes. Recruiting for your own team. <laughs>
1: yes, it's true.
0: I often feel like the opportunity to recruit for every department across a company is just like a crash course or the best crash course you can take in understanding how an organization works. Yeah, I agree. You you get really hands-on, you come to understand the roles really well, you get to understand how everything kind of fits together and makes the business run. Time for a quick break.
2: All managers should acknowledge that bias can creep into the hiring process, undermine equity and inclusion goals, and limit the breadth of your organization's potential talent. Bias can lead to problems hiring and retaining employees at an institutional level. These risks are heightened when inconsistencies, oversights, and a lack of structure exist in an organization's processes. BrightHire software allows companies to scale structured, consistent, and evidence-based hiring for a fundamentally more equitable process. We believe this to be essential for healthy growth. The interview Buys toolkit from BrightHire provides proactive strategies that can help give every candidate fair consideration, even when you're under pressure to fill a role as soon as possible. We're happy to provide something that any organization can use to hire better, faster, and fairer. After all, BrightHire is a leading interview intelligence platform powering better, more equitable hiring. They effortlessly record and transcribe interviews, transforming how teams rally around hiring. BrightHire software uses AI to create highlights that can be revisited and shared right within the ATS. Teams use BrightHire to streamline their interview process, ramp recruiters, train interviewers, and give hiring managers better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. Access the Interview Buys Toolkit now and learn more about Bridehire by visiting the link in the show notes.
0: Welcome back. Here's more of my conversation with Beth Armstrong from VaynerX. My understanding is that you've been now in the recruiting space for 10 plus years or so. And so when you think about why, why are you in this space, why do you continue to be excited about it? Like, what is the thing that keeps you going? What would you say your why is?
1: I think it's changed as I've grown. I still really love identifying people and putting them in their dream roles. But I think the piece that really sucked me in, to be completely transparent with you, I went to a greenhouse open my first one years ago. I don't remember what year. And at that point, I was actually really battling with, do I like recruiting? Because I feel like I need more than just putting a person in a seat. Or do I go into HR generalist so I can work more with the people? Like, what am I going to do? And I went to this greenhouse open. It was like kismet. It was like just perfect timing. And I learned about structured interviews and process and unconscious bias and all these things that went into recruiting. And I said, oh, there's more to this. And I want to do more strategy. And mm-hmm. I want to do more building. And so that was like a huge moment for me. And so like, my why is that building piece, I love building, and I love implementing process. And I love educating people. Right after that greenhouse open, I really just went into like a deep dive of research and i found podcasts and i went and i read books and i went into a black hole of googling <laughs> uh, like various resources to help educate me on like all kinds of ways to do strategy and how to interview people and and i really found that you know greenhouse had the best resources and i loved going onto your site a podcast that i fell in love with was hired's talk talent to me with rob stevenson those resources really helped develop me into the recruiter that I am today.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think it's always such a awesome moment when you realize you had just scratched the surface of a really big and deep topic and there's like so much to learn. I think it can be a little daunting, but it can also be incredibly motivating to see that you actually have so many different experts in the space to learn from too that maybe previously you weren't aware of. Going back to that question about what your why is, has what you love about recruiting changed much now that you're managing a team and kind of running the function?
1: Yes. I mean, it's now scaling myself, right? It's paying it forward and putting the passion that I have for recruiting and teaching others like the amazing pieces of recruiting and seeing how they want to move in their career. Yeah.
0: Is there a particular story that comes to mind about a a meaningful moment that you had maybe with someone at your company or on your team of sharing that wealth?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's twofold for me, really. Actually, right now, I had my very first hire for my team. We hired her almost two years ago. She put in her notice recently, which was so sad because she's one of our star recruiters and we love her but when we hired her she was doing hr generalist and also some recruiting she was like i just want to be a recruiter and after talking to her i was like you know what she's going to be amazing we took her in taught her all about you know intakes how to work with hiring managers i just really took her under my wing and she just flew like she just absolutely took things on and she grew so quickly. We promoted her. Like, she was just absolutely a rock star. And now she's, she was sought out. And now she has an opportunity to go do tech recruiting, which we can't mm. offer her, unfortunately. But she's like, she's going to be great. She's going to be out there in the world doing amazing things. And she's going to be able to take the things that we taught her and implement them at her no co- new company. And to me, that's just that's great to have another buddy out in the world now to connect with. I also have this girl on my team who was in another role at the company and she was not doing very well. It was a very challenging role, but I had taken her under my wing to kind of help with some projects because she expressed interest in recruiting. And I sought out her manager and I said, listen, if there's a way that I could get her on my team, let's do it. So it happened. And at first, like she really needed approval and my blessing to do mm-hmm. anything and mm-hmm. everything. And it was truly just building up her confidence and giving her a voice and educating her and be like, you don't need me to approve this. You know how to do it. I think you're gonna be great. And just building up that confidence. And this past weekend, she was on vacation and I saw a candidate had submitted their avails. So I went to schedule it and it was already scheduled. I was like, what? This is very strange. And I reached out to her and I said, Art, did you just schedule this? She goes, oh yeah, I was checking my emails and I just saw it come in. So I thought I would schedule it. And maybe a month ago, she would have needed my approval to get it scheduled. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Like this is growth. I'm pissed that you did something while you were on vacation. But to me, this is also growth. Like you totally took the initiative to go and do this thing and you didn't need me to bless it. And so I was
0: just really happy for her. It was just great. I love a good growth story. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate that you were pissed because I would similarly be pissed and be like, take time off. Please don't work on your vacation. Yeah, especially now when everyone's kind of still learning how to balance work-life balance. That story really resonates with me because I had a moment recently with one of the managers on my team. And so she came to me because she had a few questions related to processes and she pointed out, hey, Ariana, your your answers to my questions around these processes are different from what you said in the past. One thing I was really happy about was she she felt like she could call that out to me. That's really great. We have that kind of open dialogue where she's like, by the way, you're saying something different than what you said in the past. And then the second point, is where we turned it into a discussion which was what i was saying was we are growing so fast that you know what used to work yesterday might not work tomorrow the reason i'm bringing this story up is because similarly i was having a conversation with her about like what does it mean to color outside the lines a little bit like mm-hmm. you don't want to just you know go rogue and go crazy but when the process is no longer serving you in the way that it used to in a different context like we should have the mindset that we have that permission to make things better. And um, we should always be questioning, like, hey, is there a way to make this better? So yeah. I loved that your story reflected someone developing that ability to be like, all right, I don't think I need to ask Beth for every single thing <laughs> to right. do, I can take some ownership and maybe even start thinking about, you know, how do I, how do I build or scale for the future?
1: Yeah, it's just it's a great way to pay it forward to them is to give them that power to be open and transparent with you. So I love that. I love that story.
0: So I'm noticing a theme in your story, which is you know you started off talking a little bit about education, uh, how that initially was a challenge because your company wasn't necessarily used to working with a built-out recruiting function, and then you know you just shared some stories around your own journey as a manager educating your Team members about how to grow, even grow beyond the same company that you work at. You know, to Mm -hmm. go back to that first story you told about having a buddy out there now. When you think about the education piece and how you work with hiring teams, are there any kind of tips or lessons that you would want to share with this audience around how you've been able to do so effectively?
1: I think it's just communication is absolutely huge if not over communication <laughs> um you know working with our hiring managers and our hiring teams and keeping them educated we have kickoff meetings where we not only talk about the role but we're also bringing up things that they may have learned in the interview training program that we mm-hmm. have here and then we also are constantly reminding them about how unconscious bias creeps mm-hmm. in To the interview process, like these are some things that might pop up. Just keep them in mind. Keep, you know, keep the conversation going, change direction, et cetera. Because we really want to make sure that the interview obviously is is just a a great experience for the candidate. And then in terms of working with our leadership, again, it's like, you know, I called a meeting with our VPs and above just to be like, you know, I was given this role a year ago. Here's where we are and here's what's coming and just continuing to educate them that way. And then obviously taking calls with them and just being like, this is what we're seeing with your department and how can we talk about talent strategy and this is how we can work together to solve this problem. So constantly just talking
0: through mm-hmm.
1: problems flags that we're seeing.
0: Yeah, that proactive communication. Yes. often is a differentiator in terms of a good recruiter versus a great recruiter and even at the executive level like you ha- it's really about working together cross-functionally more so than yes. like looking down at your function. Absolutely. What would you say is a common misconception about recruiting or recruiters?
1: You know, something that really gets me is um, recruiter ghosting. I feel like recruiters have a bad rep. I don't know a lot of people who like recruiters. <laughs> and I feel like it's mainly because of recruiter ghosting. And I like to educate my candidates best I can when working with recruiters, or even if I'm doing like informational or just out there in the world, recruiter ghosting is going to happen. It's never intentional. If it is, we need to have a conversation with that recruiter, but it's never intentional. And we really need to educate our candidates on the realities of their candidacy and how we're going to be following up, but also be very transparent. I am busy. If you feel like I am leaving you in limbo for too long, please reach out to me. Please talk to me. Everyone is scared to reach out to their recruiter and they think that they're annoying their recruiter, but it's my job to take care of you. And I want to do the best that I possibly can to make sure that you're having a a great experience with us. But sometimes I'm I'm human. Sometimes things are going to fall off. And so advocate for yourself. If you want this role, please reach out if you feel I've left you in limbo for too long. And that could mean different things to every candidate. That could be a day they didn't hear from me. It could be two days. And so that way you're also kind of keeping a cadence with your candidates that that they really want. But I think it's just also like educating them. Recruiter ghosting should not happen. And here's how to work with me to make sure it doesn't happen to you. And that we really do want to keep in touch with you.
0: Yeah. I haven't heard that one before. And it's really interesting because the the role of a recruiter is one to a hundred, one to thousands of candidates. Yeah. And I think sometimes folks forget that whether it's the candidates that you know might not remember that or the hiring teams, recruiters deal with a lot of volume. And so yes. we need, first of all, technology to serve us, um, yes. to help us with automated <laughs> reminders and all those things. And at the end of the day, like there are only so many Deep relationships that you can have with folks at a time. So I really like what you said about what I took away as empowering the candidate to also reach out and mm-hmm. know that it really is a two-way conversation. It more than ever today, recruiting is a two-way conversation. It's not just employers assessing candidates; it's also candidates very much assessing many employers <laughs> that that are interested in employing them. So I, I like that because it. I'm walking away with the idea of it really being a dialogue. Um, Yes. The whole employee journey is really that dialogue. Absolutely. If nothing else, what would you want your audience to take away from our conversation today?
1: Our role is really, we're recruiters first and foremost, but we're also educators. There's a lot changing in our world. This marketplace is absolutely insane. And so finding ways to inform and educate your business partners, your hiring managers, your candidates on what you're seeing and just keeping keeping those clear communications between all of those parties is going to be huge because we're not just finding talent anymore. We now have to educate and teach others what's going on.
0: We came full circle on the education theme. I love it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for your time today, Beth. That was a wonderful story to dig a little bit deeper into. So I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Beth. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please take time to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Find out how to hire for what's next by visiting us at greenhouse.io. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Brittany Martinez and Alana Herlands and our production assistant is Sarah Schleid. Our greenhouse producer is Marnie Williams. Until next time.